Go ahead and turn there to chapter 2. We will finish the second chapter of the book of Acts. It has only taken 17 messages to get through the book of, chapter 2 of the book of Acts. <clears throat> We're going to be in verse 41 starting this morning. We've gone through the sermon of Peter. We've gone through the sermon of Peter. And Brother Tim, don't let me forget, I'll announce that at the end of the service. You know what I'm talking about, that food. So, but it's uh, 17 messages to go through two chapters. But what are we doing? We're taking a very slow walk. And you know, the older I get, the slower the walks go. <laughs> Somebody said, let's hurry up and get there. I'll get there when I get there, you know. Now, if I'm, if I'm in my car, I can do better. But I'm taking a slow walk with you folks as we're going through the book of Acts. There's some things we want to learn. We want to learn what it means to be a true New Testament church. Many people are meeting across Bakersfield, across California, the United States, and even the world, claiming to be a part of a church. But is it the true New Testament church? We need to make sure that we are worshiping in truth. Also, as we go through here, we want to find out and make sure that we are following the apostles' doctrines. Things have a way of changing over a period of time, but God's word is permanent and it does not change. The Bible said Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so is his word. So is his word. And then as we make this walk and we're trying to go through the book of Acts, we're not just doing it to sit and learn just exactly what it's saying and all that, but we want to make application in our own lives. We want to say, God, what is it that you're teaching me today? God's that smart. He can teach you every moment of every day. I saw a video the other day, two little, two little boys, and uh, <clears throat> one was a black boy, one was a white boy. And as I watched, the little white boy was sad. And the young black boy went over and gave him a hug. And I was thinking about that. You know, we can learn so much from our children. We can learn so much from our children if we would just pay attention. You know, God has blessed us with children. But sometimes as adults, we get bound up in our troubles and our worries and our problems. And I thought of those two young children. I thought of the innocence of where they're at. They've not become encumbered with all these troubles and cares going on in the world. You know, as children of God, we should be aware of those things. But I cast all my care upon him. Why? Because he cares for me. And that's what he's done here. So let's go ahead and read, uh, starting in verse 41. This is right after the sermon has been preached. This is the altar call. It says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. Now, a lot of times we just kind of run through it and we read these little phrases and what have you, and we just go on. But we'll pay a little bit of attention to that this morning. So make note of that. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, 
such as should be saved. I'm going to pray as I pray, you pray. Allow God to have your whole heart this morning. Put those cares aside, those problems, those things you're going to have to deal with this week, and what have you. That's what I've been praying today. Let God have your whole heart. Let's pray. Father, we ask at this time that you would do a work in our heart and life. Lord, we understand and know that you're the only one that can change the heart of man. Father, we praise you for the salvation provided us. Many here this morning would claim to know you as Savior. We praise God for that. We pray for those that might be here today but do not know you as Savior. God, we know that you're not willing that any should perish. But Father, do a work in our lives. But I know we understand that we must yield ourselves to you. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to discuss the, it's a phenomenal salvation of the people. It was a phenomenal salvation of people. In the first part of verse 41 it said, Then they that gladly received his word. Then they that gladly received his word. He was preaching to those that had crucified Christ. It only happened a little over two months prior. And now he preached the message. And Peter's sermon was a powerful sermon. It was a powerful sermon. And it brought about instant results. But you know, it was not in his power. It was a mighty moving by the Holy Spirit that day. God working in the hearts and lives. You know, that same Holy Spirit is with us today and would move in our hearts and lives mightily. Not because of the messenger, but because of his message. We allow him to do that. The rest of the chapter, as you go, we read through it, explains what the people did as they made their decision for Christ. They stepped out of darkness and into life. They stepped out of wrath and into grace. They stepped out of sin and into Christ. Amen? In the book, Pilgrim's Progress, how many have ever read the Pilgrim's Progress written by John Bunyan? Okay. Uh, I just want to say this before I get to that, that what happens when the work of conviction is done by the Holy Spirit, uh, there is a mighty result. In the book, John Bunyan described his own spiritual experience in the Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim was bowed down underneath such a heavy burden, a heavy burden. And as he made his way to Calvary and he got there, he came to the Savior we see his burden was lifted as he ran down to the, uh, to the uh, open sepulcher. And then we heard Pilgrim's gladness as he sings, as he sings, Bless cross, bless sepulcher, bless rather be the one who there was put to shame for me. You know, when you get saved, folks, it causes you to want to sing. It should cause you to want to sing. The more I think of God, read his word, uh, we will sing choruses here occasionally. Well, actually quite often, not today. But so many times in the morning I'll get up and I'll be singing that and humming that chorus in my head. Why? I'm just so glad to be saved. I'm thankful for his salvation. This is what it caused these first people to do. They got saved and they were singing. They were singing. They were a saved people. Not only were they a saved people, but they were a separated people. Look at the second part of verse 41. 
It says, the first part was, then they that gladly received his word, and then it says, were baptized. Were baptized. It was first receiving the word and saved. Then they were baptized. Then they were baptized. They gladly received the word and the truth concerning Christ. They understood that he was deity. He was God. And that all of their hope was placed in him. They placed all of their hope in him. Not in anything that they could do. Not in their baptize. But they were baptized as a separation. To make it plain, baptism, folks, is a believer's baptism. It's for the person that's saved. If you get baptized as a uh, and get baptized into a church, well, it has nothing to do with salvation. If you're baptized as an infant, it has nothing to do with salvation. Peter said in 1 Peter 3.21, it says, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now, not, uh, now save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Only a true believer in the Lord Jesus can have that. And it was a bold step for these folks, a bold step for them to be baptized. M many of them were going to face persecution because of it. Many of them were going to be cast out of their families because of it. Uh, many of them uh, would uh, be cut off from uh, going to the synagogue or to, uh, to the uh, Jewish society. They would become outcasts. The price for this first step for them cost them something. You know, it's the same in many countries around the world today. You get baptized and uh, you get castigated. They were a saved people. They were a separated people. They were a steadfast people. Look at verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. There are four things, there are four things, four components that mark this church in Acts, this true New Testament church, what we aspire to be, what we aspire to maintain. First, it was marked by truth. It was marked by truth. That's where they said that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Remember, we've been talking about this every Sunday morning, continuing in the apostles' doctrine. They were following God's word. They were following his direction. Uh, <clears throat> in all the epistles, precept comes for practice. Experience must always be tested by doctrine. We operate under precept, principle, and preference. Precept is God's word, black and white. Thus saith the Lord. There's no question about it. Principle is where you take a collection of scriptures together. And this is what the, the word of God is teaching. Preference is those areas where God just kind of leaves it open to you a little bit to make your decision. You might do it a certain way. Somebody else might do it another way. Doesn't mean you're wrong and they're right or vice versa. But we allow God's word to be truth and to rule. This is what we, what we follow for all faith and practice. All faith and practice. So it is truth. It's marked by truth. Secondly, it was a company marked by the tie. Blessed be the tie that binds, that binds our hearts in Christian love. It said they continued in fellowship. They continued in fellowship. In his old age, uh, the apostle John wrote, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. 
He that loveth not his brethren abideth in death. 1 John 3.14 The church is the body of Christ and the union his head is Christ Jesus. Do you love your brethren? Thirdly, it was marked by the table. Now, I'm not talking about just any table, but I'm talking about the Lord's table. The Lord's table. They continued in breaking of bread. It was not talking about an ordinary meal. That would have been uh, fellowship. But here they're talking about referencing the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. The Lord's last request we have found in 1 Corinthians 11:24. This do in remembrance of me. Some churches do it quite often. Other churches, not so often. We've kind of got a hiccup going on with this uh, COVID and all that. But normally we do it a couple times a year. But the church is the body of Christ in union with his head. Fourthly, it was marked by the throne. And by that I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about prayer. They continued steadfastly in prayers. The name of Jesus opened up prayer opportunities never known before. Never known before. For they then, as we do now, have instant access to the throne of grace. Do you realize what you have this morning? Are you praising God for that? The ability to take all your troubles, all your problems to him, lay them at his feet. They were saved people. They were separated people. They were a steadfast people. And they were a sanctified people. Look at the first part of verse 43. And fear came upon every soul. You know, we're pretty soft in our churches anymore when it comes to preaching against sin. There was a time where they preached real hard and hot against sin, but somehow we have dropped the ball. We have dropped the ball. The church today, consequently, as a result of this, does not have much fear. But you need to realize that these people, says in verse 43, and fear came upon every soul. They weren't in fear of losing their salvation, but they knew that there was a certain way they were gonna walk. There's certain things they were gonna do. The professing church accepts such so low standards for his fellowship that lying, immorality, questionable doctrine, deception, and even perversion a lot of times are overlooked and overlooked. We have forgotten God's word where it says, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy, 1 Peter 1.16. We have forgotten that the believer's body and the body of the church corporately alike as, uh, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. This first church was holy. This first church was pristine. If that word, I think of the word pristine, you know, sometimes you, it's been a long time since I was thinking, thought of cars and what they look like and all that. <laughs> it's just my children and grandchildren say, what kind of car do you like, Pop? I like the one that runs. That's what I like. I like a car that runs. But I used to think of a pristine car. You know, I used to think of maybe a, a 67 Malibu and, uh, you know, put the, maybe a 454 in there. Not that I was going to run fast or anything like that. But, you know, pristine, pristine. This is a pristine church in purity. It was untouched by any wrongful act. And so fear came upon every soul. Fear came upon every soul. 
They were saved, they were separated, they were steadfast, they were sanctified. They were a spectacular people. This is just to keep the S's going. The second part of verse 43, it says, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Things were happening. Things were happening. This young church had more than purity. This young church had power. Makiro Baptist Church, this is what we want to be. We want to be pure. And we want to have power. Not our power, but the power of God. The power of God. The apostles had the power at this time to work miracles. The Holy Spirit power poured out his power upon these men because they were walking in the spirit. What's the Bible say? This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.16. The result that was Jer Jerusalem was filled with stories of miracles and healings. Now we don't see those today, folks. You have those that go around and proclaim and claim to be faith healers, but they're not. But still, people should see the miracles of God done because of the way we walk and live our lives and what God has accomplished. How God can reach down and touch the drunkard. He can touch the one that's in the immorality. immorality. He can touch the one that's uh, hung up on drugs. And he can get a hold of that heart and he can change that life. He can change that life. They were saved. They were separated. They were steadfast, sanctified. They were spectacular. Are you spectacular in your walk for Christ? They were a single people. Look at verse 44. And all that believed were together and had all things common. All things common. It was a true body. It was a true body. Each member was caring for one another and nourishing one another. There was a mutual caring and concern for other believers. It went beyond just my problems and I have a need, I have a need. They were looking outside of themselves and saying, I can meet that need. Let me help you. Let me help you. It was a spontaneous coming together. Like-minded believers in love. By the way, where do you get that love? The love of Christ. The love of Christ compels me. If you're walking in Christ and in his spirit, you'll have a loving spirit. A loving spirit. In love with the Lord. In love with each other. And by the way, in love with lost souls. They were saved, separated, steadfast, sanctified, spectacular, single, and they were sacrificial. Verse 45 says, And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as and had need. This love compelled them to move, compelled them to do things. I got to do something over here. I got to take care of this. Not just praying, but hey, putting some feet to those prayers. A couple of illustrations. There was a story of a group of high school boys that went on a camping trip that had been organized by their uh, public school teachers. And they went out there, and Debbie, you like camping stories. So does Carol. Uh, but the, they're out there and they're camping. And uh, one of the things and activities they did is as they were out, they went and helped a farmer to bring in his harvest. So they did that. And, as they sat around the campfire that night, some would play games and some would discuss some things. And in that group of teachers was a communist. 
And this communist used this as an opportunity and he appealed to these youngsters saying that, you know, by the way, the early church was communistic because they shared. He went on and said that was the motto of the early church and that is the slogan of the communist today. However, there's a great flaw in his argument. See, the early church's sharing was spontaneous and it was motivated by the Holy Spirit. It was not brought on by a group of people telling you you had to do this. It was the love of God. There's another story about a street preacher and he was being heckled. A crowd had come around and joined up there, several people, and he's being heckled by a communist. And just as the heckling was going on, they looked and they saw a, a, a drunkard walking down the sidewalk, staggering as he came in a clothes were tattered and torn and filthy, and you could tell he had not had a bath in quite a while. And the communist pointed to the man and as he made his way by the crowd and said, given the opportunity, communism would put a new suit on that man. And then he said, what does your Christianity do for him? The preacher said, given the opportunity, Christ would put a new man in that suit. So different. The secret of the mutual sharing done by the early church. It was not a governmental welfare program. It was not a cold charity. It was a body of Christ at work displaying the love of Christ. Do we display the love of Christ? I pray that we do. I pray that we do. This was love, not law. Compassion, not compulsion. So we got saved, separated, steadfast, sanctified, spectacular, single, sacrificial, and a spiritual people. Look at verse 46. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house did eat their food with gladness and singleness of heart. These verses, there's a, there's a, a, a theme keep going through this. They were united. They were not divided. They were all together going the same way, headed the same direction. You know, spirituality, folks, is not something that we go into our closet on a Sunday morning and go, oh, that's, those are my spiritual clothes, and put them on and go through the day. No, spirituality is something that you go through every day, every day. It's an everyday walk. <clears throat> the Lord links together the temple and the table those who were in love with the Lord had found their place, their way to a place of prayer. A place of prayer. They used to meet in the temple courtyard. They'd come together so that they could talk of the Lord, learn of him, and fellowship. It bothers me when we don't come to God's house. The Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. As the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We've all got things to do. It's needful that we come to God's house and be a part of his house. It's natural. It is natural for the spiritual person to seek out the gathering place of God's people. If you're not seeking it out, ask yourself why. Ask yourself why. Saved, separated, steadfast, sanctified, spectacular, single, sacrificial, spiritual, singing people. 
singing people. Verse 47, first part, says praising God and having favor with all the people. You know what? Like I said well ago, you get saved. It's going to cause you to want to sing. You're not going to have the best voice. How do I know that? I'm way down the list myself. But it has nothing to do with the song that's in my heart. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. Praise God. Praise God. Ask yourself why you're not singing. That was one of the, uh, one of the, uh, the things that showed them to be a true New Testament church. The true New Testament, true New Testament church. This is what they did. It caused them to sing. The people were happy. No wonder their numbers grew. They were happy. You know what, folks, when you come into church here, and a lot of times things are in our minds. I, I, I can remember when I was in high school and uh, I was very introverted, very quiet, would not say anything to anyone. Uh, I got to go, I'd go out and play baseball and I was totally different. I was in my element. People would say, what's wrong with Donnie? What's wrong with Donnie? Nothing. He's just kind of in his own world. But I say that to say this. Sometimes we walk in here and we've got a lot of things on our mind as we're walking across the street. Is there a smile on our face? Because we're going to be happy to come to God's house. We're going to be happy to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to be happy to hear God's word. We're going to be happy to sing together. You know, neighbors are watching. And then when we leave, is there a smile on our face? There ought to be. There ought to be something different. There was no complaining. There was no criticizing. No envy. There was no strife. The fruit of the Spirit was everywhere. Back to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. There was love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And temperance. Made for an attractive-looking group of people. They were saved, they were separated, they were steadfast, sanctified, spectacular, single, sacrificial, spiritual, singing, and they were a successful people. By this, I mean, as we read verse 47, the second half, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. That's the only way anyone can be added to the church. The Lord adds to the church. The Bible says in Psalm 127, 1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. That build it. The Lord added daily back then. He would add daily now. It might be a young person. It might be an old dying man. But God adds to the church. God adds to the church. Rest assured, there's never been a day since Pentecost when the Lord has not added to the church such as should be saved. And he'll keep on doing that until the time of rapture. Time of rapture. I'm getting ready to conclude. But I want to go back through these ten things that were listed. And I want to ask you the question. And I need you to answer to God in your own heart. As I will do. Are we a saved people? If you're saved and you do not, say Amen. Amen. I pray that you are. If there's anyone here that does not know Christ as your Savior, please come see me. We can show you how you can know for sure. The Bible tells us that you can know for sure. 
1 John 5.13. Are you separated? Have you been scripturally baptized? Are you steadfast? Do you continue daily in the truth of God's word? Do you practice what God has taught us through his word in your everyday walk? Or do you in your own mind kind of say, well, I can do it this way and make it work? Are you walking in the apostles' doctrine? Are you tied to this body of believers in love? When it's offered, do you participate in taking of the Lord's table? Do you consistently, daily, pray without ceasing actually, access the throne? Are you sanctified? Sanctified means to be set apart, declare holy. God has set us apart. Many call themselves a child of God, but they sure don't walk like it. Are you a spectacular people? Do you have the power of God in your life? The power of God. The Holy Spirit has just filled you completely to the brim. There's no self in there. There's no sin in there. And God's able to use you and do a work. Those around you know if you are or not, by the way. The lost should see the power of God working in our hearts and lives. And you'll evidence that when there's a problem in their life and you're the first one they come to. Why? There's something different about that person. There's something different about them. And I think they can help me. Are you single people? One accord in this body. Are you sacrificial people? If someone has a need, do you meet that need if it's within your power? Are you spiritual people? Do you display Christ-likeness as you walk daily? Are you a singing people? Folks, we ought to be a singing people. We ought to be a singing people. I come from a, a bluegrass, country western, western swing type of background. And uh, I heard people singing at the top of their lungs. And I thought, mm, that's not really good singing. But boy, they were singing. They were singing. We've got so much to sing for. Why don't we sing? Finally, are you a successful people? When's the last time God added someone to Makira Baptist Church? body of believers. Each and every one of us needs to answer these questions this morning. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We've talked about this today. We've gone through, now we're through the second chapter of Acts. We're trying to make sure that we are going to be a true New Testament church. We want to make certain that we continue to follow in the Apostles' Doctrine. But as we've gone through these scriptures here this morning and we read about what these people were and how they acted and what they did, it's time now for us to make application. If there's an area in here where you fall short,
Folks, here's the altar. Take and use it. Allow God to do a work in your heart and life. Allow God to use McKee Road Baptist Church to grow. Let's pray. Father, I'd ask that you do a miraculous work in all of our hearts and lives today. God, I pray that you would have your perfect will and way in our lives. God, may McKee Road Baptist Church be a lighthouse for you. Lord, we love you. We trust you with everything that we are and have. Do a work now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand